0: Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we revisit the issue of African gangs and the vilification of Sudanese youth by the conservative media and the Victorian state opposition. In January, at the peak of the manufactured gang crisis in Victoria, we brought you the voices of Youth Ambassador Eunice Gaboy and that of community activist Sajda Yacoub. Since this time, there continues to be much community organising and campaigning, plenty of public meetings to discuss the issues and potential strategies for fighting back. Victoria is in an election year, so the issue of law and order will continue to be prosecuted in the media. Racism has long been a tool of conservative governments to divide and rule, and that includes the Labor Party, by the way. 2018 is no different. Unless we, the workers, come up with a clear position of solidarity amongst us as a class, we will be defeated on these politics. So today's show features the voice of Sudanese community campaigner, Nawal Ali. She's addressing a public meeting in Flemington, a Western Melbourne suburb with a large Sudanese community. And then in the second part of the show, we revisit our interview with Sajda Yakub from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owner of the land uh, in which we are meeting today. Uh, I pay my respects to the elders, past and present, and the elders of the community who may be here today. And I would like to thank everyone here today for making time and participating in this issue. And I would also like to thank social, uh, the Socialist Alliance Melbourne for giving me this chance to just give my voice to the Sudanese community and talking about the criminalizing African communities um, in Victoria. Uh, Sudanese refugee group are one of the newly uh, uh, emerging communities in Australia. And and although they are minority group, their issues are visible in the social media due due to the fact that Many people in the community are struggling with settlement issues. Uh, the Sudanese community is one of the many of uh, refugee communities that were forced to leave their homeland because of civil war. Uh, the second Sudanese civil war was become one of the longest civil war on record, resulting in millions of deaths, massive starvation, and displacement of more than 4 million people. Um, The civilian toll was the highest of any war since World War II. There were times, indeed, months and years on end, when life was a matter of moment by moment survived. There was starvation horror, a river full of correspondence. The extraordinary for these people, that people have done so much more than to survive. It is really clear you survive one day, and you think that that's it. And you feel good. You feel happy about that. And that is all about you worry about. Some of them survived because a pure of luck. You such traumatised forever and you and if you are not strong enough, you will never recover. So is that true that having come from the trauma war, Sudanese are more likely to violent, to be violent? I absolutely disagree. Just because you have suffered violence doesn't mean doesn't mean you seek it out. Australia could be good for them. Good for us, but it also brings new kind of trauma. It is in some ways more deeply wounding to arrive in a country and to be told you have rights, yet to get find that your your community vilified by the mainstream media, attacked by its most prominent columnist, and racially profiled by the Police, this is is a trauma you can't run from. Police describe Sudanese youth as having a warrior ethic, a lack of respect for women, and said they would openly challenge anyone of treating them, regardless of potential consequence. They stereotype Sudanese and set up situation in which police were likely to approach African youth expecting terrible. The delivery by someone who does not have sufficient cultural competency is a gross professional negligence. negligence. Last month, I met with young people who go to job interviews, and the moment they see them, that they are black Sudanese people They just say, sorry, we don't have job for you. And where is their future? Really, for these sort of kids, they are harassed by police on daily basis in train station. They are accused by people of being gang member. There is a tendency to assume that any group of Sudanese appearance is a gang. It's just terrible. Like many other youths, uh, settler Sudanese are faced with many settlement issues and challenges, including racism and racial discrimination, employment difficulties, and inadequate or inappropriate support that made it even harder for them. But the media profiling has been more challenging factors eliminating the, the community. Racism and discrimination are contributing factors to their challenges and children's behaviors. As many Sudanese uh, reported, their child, their children, being picked on and bullied on a daily basis at school and other public places because of their skin color, and that it aggravated their settlement challenges. What called culture clashes was significant issue of Sudanese, as well as other African origin communities, who felt the impression of what they call cultural imperialism by supposed multicultural host society. Differences in gender rule, integrating relation, work practices, education, religion, housing, even the use of public space uh, to be causing problems, issues around identity and belonging were found to affect this community's sense of well-being and integration. One of the good examples of our culture differences about our traditional parenting in that of any adult who found child misbehaving out in the street will discipline them. Their parent will say will not say anything. This is in contrast to the way it is in Australia, where you are not allowed to discipline somebody else's child, as you may be told that it is none of your business. This was done positively in our culture because anything child can do without their parents is correctly by, by adults. After coming to Australia, most parents see their children leaving their cultures and shocking them. Sudanese parenting aims to nutrition children to be successful and respectful members of the community and societies. It is also about teaching them certain cultural values and identities, a task that achieving through teaching to instruction them, to instructing them as well as making sure that children are connected with their community, mem- community members so as to learn from them. The traditional values are challenging. Pressing social issues surrounding refugees' life, there are many overriding issues that facing refugees' communities group that need to be considered when planning refugee settlement programs. These issues include consequences being conflict situation, displacement. Displacement alone affected individuals and refugees' families Uh, seriously apart from trauma and consequence of conflict, as many refugees witness death and despicable acts. Displacement can lead to an increased isolation, poverty, family breakdown, and racism. Emphasize the importance of not only focusing on helping migrants to understand the the, the expectation of their new environment, but the significance for the service providers and policymakers to have some knowledge and awareness of the delivery of the new settlers, uh, parenting construction and dominant of the host society, and not to see this in a narrative of one size fit all. I believe that learning and understanding the dimension association with raising children in two ways processing, and that is host society standard to learn from migrant parenting approaches as well as tension and misunderstanding between parents. Their children authorities continue to flare up during the, sta- during the trans- transition process. <coughs> and nevertheless, I'm largely optimistic that these communities will, in the medium term, will make its place in Australia and be as accepted as a rival of that past having been.
0: And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. We're focusing today on looking at both the media coverage but also the political situation that gives rise to the racist sloganeering around the so-called African gangs crisis in Melbourne. You just heard Nawal Ali, a Sudanese community campaigner, addressing a public meeting in Flemington. Next, we revisit our interview with Sajda Yakub. She's from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre. I started off by asking her where this crisis has come from.
2: My name is Sajda Yakub. I work for the... Um Racial, the Police Accountability Project uh, for the Flemington Kensington Legal Centre uh, as a peer advocate and uh, basically work towards uh, tackling racial profiling and ending it one day, hopefully.
0: Well, to begin with, in that case, where where has this crisis come from?
2: When you look at um, the crisis that is happening at the moment, it's it. You look at the crimes that are being spoken about, so. Basically, a subset of media are going quite ballistic about recent crime incidents in Victoria, like um, an Airbnb trust on a party in Werribee. There's been mayhem in St Kilda, the assault of a police officer in High Point. Um, and these particular incidents, which have very different dynamics and causal factors, are receiving national media attention and um, breathless, repetitive commentary. Um, when similar incidents involving Caucasian young people aren't, so we believe the reason that is happening is because these incidents actually fit into a bigger story. So, um, if you look at like what's happening here, you look at the idea that African ethnic youth are driving a massive crime wave. Crime wave. It, that sort of idea has grown um, exponentially since March 2016, when the tabloid media, the state opposition, the far right, anti-immigration groups had a very shorthand way of describing it. Um, if we look at the Mumbai event that happened um, when a group of teenagers um, you know, sort of uh, trashed that event the story of a youth gang called Apex came um, into into talks and that basically fitted the perfectly um, that's so perfectly fitted the long-held fears of ethnic gangs bring mayhem and fear to our city and so um, right now when we see these crimes coming about and it's associated people of African descent it just fits right into that story.
0: Well, you mentioned a bunch of incidents and um, I guess the media does explain the crime wave by pointing to those incidents. You know, the police officer in Maribyrnong trashing Werribee, Airbnb, or the things that you talked about. What What's the truth about this supposed crisis? And and I, I want to get to what do the statistics actually say and is there an over-representation of African youth in relation to crime in Melbourne?
2: I can certainly say a very bold statement that there is no African youth crime rate. So Victoria does not have a youth crime wave at all, whether that's ethnic or not. Um, So the independent Victorian Crime Statistics Agency released its latest data report and that said that overall criminal incidents recorded in Victoria was actually down by 4.8% and there's a significant downwards trend in many crime types, um, much of which is like online law. Um, but unfortunately, because, you know, with the tabloid meter does um, take certain crimes and build out a proportion, people don't tend to believe it. Now, the, the youth crime rates in particular in Victoria have been slowly declining for more than a decade now, um, and it shows that, I think it's crime statistics agency research shows that most crimes are by a small portion um, of repeat offenders, for so most youth crimes, so it's not likely getting even new youth criminals coming about either. Um, And I think there was a portion of incidents committed by alleged offenders under the age of 25, and that had fallen from half of all incidents recorded 10 years ago, which was in 2008, to 40% of all incidents now in 2018. So you do see a very, very um, large decrease in that sense. And also Victoria actually has the lowest rate of children from 10 to 17, which are under the justice supervision on average here in Australia. So we're doing quite well when it comes to, you know, that quotation mark youth crime wave that um, the media is uh, focusing on.
0: So why then? Why the commentary? Why the focus on race and ethnicity? How, what's the political analysis, the way to understand this kind of reporting?
2: When you look at, when you look at why particularly, um, you know, this, this is coming about, you have to remember i guess what the media really is for and we know that the media is not neutral and we know that it has biases and it's shaped and and it's shaped by and it shapes public opinion. It tends to follow a very particular script. Now, journalism, they, the journalism in general has a tendency to cover crimes where suspect is black and the victim is white. United States have demonstrated that through various research. Um, it gets more prominence, larger headlines, and you know, that sort of radicalised language is used better. Um, but the biggest thing is that it fits into a particular um, story that they're selling so you know it it allows um, some conservative politicians, allows the far right, it basically allows them to say um, a lot, uh, say a racist dialogue and get away with it and it sort of softens the blow in that sense and um, in the midst of a moral panic that we're at right now Um, the current intense portrayal of African youth. It's basically an adaption of similar radicalised scares that have focused upon Indigenous Australians, asylum seekers, Muslims, um, Arabic and Lebanese people. And it it really does fit that story and give um, certain very small um, privileged people a basis and a foundation to then articulate their racist dialogue upon and somewhat justify it.
0: Well, we've also seen um, some of the responses from the community. And look, the first thing to acknowledge is that this is a community that is under immense pressure and an immense visibility at the moment, which in itself causes quite a, a degree of pressure. But we are seeing um demands that leaders of the African community come out and speak against this violence and, and that kind of thing. What do you think of that as a response to the media coverage? And is it helpful? Does it make a difference to the way this is being prosecuted in the press?
2: In light of a Keshire, I want to first mention that... Um that race is not discussed in media coverage when it comes to New Year's brawls on Phillip Island or Schoolies Week on the Gold Coast and m- mainly these young people are predominantly fair-skinned or Caucasian um, and when we look at the worst riot in Victoria's recent history which occurred March 2010 where around 5,000 people smashed windows threw through at police cars protested those $40,000 in damage, the ethnicity of the riders weren't even mentioned in one article and they weren't any community leaders that were called up to comment or to explain why the overwhelmingly Caucasian youth were so violent. So ethnicity is, has deemed to be irrelevant when it comes to media coverage of, of an event that involves Caucasian or white-skinned um, criminals, and it is, a, it is mainly when it comes to ethnic minorities that we then talk about, um, you know, how ethnicity and crime are related, and we talk about community leaders having to come up and fix the communities and apologise on behalf of them. So, I personally think it just uh, buys into that narrative that we need to, that minorities need to constantly be apologising for their behaviour um and the majority are basically able to get away with it
0: well another apart from you know putting this pressure on the communities to um to come out and make these statements another response has been pop-up police stations particularly in the western suburbs um and i i think Vic Pol and members of the african community joined together to do to to commence this initiative what do you think of that as a response is it is it progressive or is it more of the same, more of the uh, vilification of African people in Australian society today?
2: Um, look, I, I think when you first see it, it firsthand, you think, oh, they're working together, it's great. But when you read more into it and when you look at the context which it's all happening in, it seems to, to have a sort of counter um, reaction and it seems to sort of just validify the argument that those areas with uh, you know a high African uh, majority population are more susceptible to crime and they need more help and now we have you know pop-up police stations there to sort of you know um, make sure everyone feels safe because there's there are too many African people in that area so it can very much tie into that and when you look at racism you can see how like the reporting commentary amplifying on social media of African crime it's crime, sorry, it serves a, a set of very specific purposes for a range of groups and political positions in Victoria right now. I'm not saying VicPol is, you know, um, uh, has that intention, but some of the actions of poll or some of the actions of our own community leaders and some of the actions, very much all of the actions of the media, uh, lead to that. And um, basically, I I believe that it is very much interest in the far right, the neo-Nazis, the white nationalist groups in Victoria, who gleefully share, magnify each and every crime report and the fact that we have, you know, police are pop-ups in, um, in Flemington and not into Iraq. And it feeds the anti-immigration rhetoric um, and basically the ensure blame is firmly placed on the feet of the left, political correctness, multiculturalism, you know, um, we wouldn't have to fund these, um, you know, pop-up police stations if we didn't have such a high majority uh, African uh, immigration population rate in those areas. So.
0: Well, I'm glad you raised the issue of the um, new far-right and neo-Nazis that are organised and actually taking action in the streets of Melbourne, actually right across Australia. They're gaining a lot of traction. And for me, I don't think these developments are entirely separate. You also linked it to um, the government's anti-immigration policies, uh, some of the comments that Peter Dutton has said, not just about African gangs, but also about Victoria's judiciary. yeah. For me, these things are linked. I think we're seeing a very hard swing towards uh, the, the right, towards race, r- racism, uh, an end to multiculturalism. It's almost like that is the, um, the, the plan. Uh, you know, I know people didn't sit in a room and design this, but you couldn't be faulted for uh, kind of landing on that analysis in the end.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with you. Um, when you look at uh, the Australian Prime Minister, Mal- Malcolm Turnbull, MP Greg Hunt, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dunton, other Victoria, uh, Victorian, Victorian um, federal MPs, they've waded in with comments to blame um, Daniel Andrews amid calls by um, MP Jay- Jason Wood, I think it was, for you know uh, AFP gang bashing. Busting Squad and um, you know, they've actually they've actually come to support um, Jason woods long-running cause to deport children So it, it, I definitely agree because I feel like this is very much an example of how fear of crime is used for political purposes And we will come back to this in history and you know, um, I guess dissect it and, and see how it all um, panned out and how many different um, institutions played together to, uh, like you said, just forward that anti-immigration, anti-multiculturalism outlook.
0: Well, in order for us to be able to reflect and consider and look back and understand what happened, we have to get through this period. And I'm not sure we're necessarily getting through it. So I guess my question for you is, where to from here? How do we combat this level of racism and white supremacy in Australia?
2: You're right. We do have to come out of this to be able to see it in retrospect and and um, reflect on it. Um, I think... I, it it really there's so many ways to go about it um it is easy to feel sometimes disempowered or you know uh, quite frustrated with what's happening at the moment um but I believe that uh a lot of change starts from home so generally I I think just educating yourself and educating those around you on what's happening at the moment it's so easy to get caught up in what channels seven or nine on turn is telling you um, so it's really important to go and look for um, genuine a very unbiased and neutral uh, sources and outlets of media and, and get your information from there so when you have these dialogues just in the workplace or with family um, you're able to sort of spread the truth in that sense it, it does seem small and minute but it does make a difference I believe um, at a larger scale you know Glen Kenston legal Center we have a project um, that works uh, towards Towards tackling racial profiling um, there are so many NGOs out there so many organizations and projects and um, and, and volunteer um, positions out there to help fight against race and discrimination at so many at many different levels so I would encourage that you know people do really um, if this does make their teeth clench if they really um, want to do something about in that sense they can always get involved in something like that and um yeah like I said the the change definitely starts from within so I guess trying to um ensure that you're always up to date with that type of information and you know remembering that it, it affects you as well because um you know, it's, our kids are going to have to grow up in this environment and it we can possibly get worse.
0: That was Sajda Yaqub from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre. And before her, Nawal Ali, a Sudanese community campaigner. If you want to get involved in the work of Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre in relation to police accountability, or you yourself are experiencing police racial profiling, you can contact them on 03 9376 4355. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hannah and I look forward to your company again next week.